Bernie Buys a Woman, an Inspector Napoleon Bonaparte Mystery. Chapter 5. Digging. The four hands were invited into the office and Charlie and another Aborigine being told that they would take the day off. All four were familiar with the interior of this large room and so noted that on the wall behind the desk had been tacked a very large-scale map of Mount Eden. Wooten occupied the chair behind the desk, and Boney stood beside the desk, almost lazily smoking, while the four men sat and made themselves comfortable at the invitation of their employer. Finally, obviously wondering what this was all about, they regarded Boney with deep interest. As you know... It is now several weeks since Mrs. Bell was killed and a daughter abducted, he began. Five weeks ago, a man and a small child vanished, and both man and child were known to you better by far than I ever will. Since that tragic day, you and many others were engaged on an extensive search for old friend Yorkie. You know the details of that search and the balance of human effort within the extent of the country about Lake Eyre. Now, no doubt you've assessed the chances of locating two human beings on an area of that country that big and many people outside would think it to be a limitless world in which 50 or 100 men could easily be lost. Thus, you will agree with me that, despite all the hunting, all the planning, the chances of Yorkie getting away or holing up somewhere were good from the beginning. The hunters held four kings, but Yorkie held four aces, correct? Could be, could be not, doubted Arnold Bray. I don't reckon Yorkie planned it. He was too sozzled to plan much, I said, and I still think the blacks helped him. Knowing that Yorkie was fairly close to the Aborigines, Boney proceeded to argue, knowing that all the Aborigines were camped on Neil's River, the first thing Constable Pierce did was to send riders at top speed to cut off that line of retreat for Yorkie. And when the trucks for the trackers arrived at Neil's Creek, they made sure that every Aboriginal was there. As you say, Arnold Bray, Yorkie never planned the murder. It was committed on impulse. And then he was lucky enough to find he held four aces, interrupted William Hart. In the first place, Yorkie knows his country better than any of us, and better than any of us, and more closer than you think than the Abbos. Put yourself in his place. He'd done a murder before he even thought about it. He knows we're all away, that no one ain't going to be likely to come round to the middle of the afternoon. So he shot Mrs Bell, and he can't shoot the kid, because the reason he shot the woman ain't strong enough for him to shoot the kid. So he's got the kid on his hands because a kid's seen him do the shooting. He's like a bloke having to walk with one boot on the other off. So he looks over his cards and decides he holds better cards than anyone else. Seated on the floor with his back to wall, Hart paused to roll a cigarette. And Boney prompted him. The others apparently conceding his superior knowledge and experience. When he shot Mrs Bell... Yorkie knew the country was wide open to him. He knew just where all the abos were, 50 miles up north somewhere. He knows them abos pretty well, knows their minds how they work. Reasons why he didn't shoot the kid were stronger than the reason why you ought to have shot her, to give him the best chance of getting clear of this country. As I said, he knows the blacks better than any of us. He knows that once they're put to his tracks, even if them tracks is bits of dust in the air, they'll catch him. If they wants to, that is. He knows that if he kills the kid, they'll want to get him. If they don't, they won't. That's his cards. The Aborigines thought match up that much of Linda, pressed Boney. Ah, uh, they surely did, like everyone else. One time we was playing poker over in the quarters and I drew a queen of hearts and snaffled the jackpot. And I said without thinking, that's my Linda for you fellas, the queen of hearts. And that's what she was around these parts.
The Aborigines, however, didn't try to track Yorkie, Wooten reminded him, and Boney was delighted at the course his conference was taking. Oh, too right, said Hart, who then had to go to the door to light his cigarette. Well, what happened? They're up on the kneels, half-starved, living on goannas and flies. They get brought back, and they're given lashings of beef and flour and tobacco to start them off right. Instead of hunting a parenti or another fella's gin, they're set to hunting Yorkie. But do they hunt for Yorkie? I got my doubts. And I got them because they knew he got aces. Good old Yorkie, they'd say. We'll look around sort of and feed up on the boss's beef and smoke the boss's backy. But they didn't just look around, as you said, Mr Wooden. They set to work all right, but not because they hate Yorkie for killing Mrs Bell. They set to work like blood ends to make sure Yorkie hadn't killed that girl and planted her body somewhere. And when they reasoned that Yorkie hadn't been that stupid, that he'd got clear away the kid, they sort of got tired and gradually eased up till they quit. That's why I say old friend Yorkie knew when he collared Linda, he held all the aces. And he'll continue to hold them while he keeps Linda alive, said Boney. That's true. While he's got Linda with him, it's Yorkie's game. And you still don't think the blacks know where he is, drawled lanky Eric Maundy. No, I don't think they do, Eric. To find that out would mean work and they'd be satisfied to know that little Linda was safe enough. They'd say Yorkie and your kid was around somewhere, that Yorkie come out to smoke when it suited him. And meanwhile, Charlie will be chasing Mina and Canute will scratch his neck because he's too old to take her even though he's promised him when she was born. You've got to know them abos, Eric. Reckon you know them, jibbed the young man. If you think you know them better, put up a better yarn, said Arnold with asperity. If we accept your idea, Boney contributed, where is Yorkie obtaining food for himself and the child? Oh, well, at the camps, replied Hart. Perhaps you don't know that when Yorkie left here for a bender, he had a job riding the boundary fence. Well, that's so, said Wooden. The boundary fence is some 150 miles around the station where it cuts into the lake. Yorkie rode it with camels. He had a camp every 20 miles with water at every second camp. And them camps were stocked with tucker, said Hart. You know, flour, tea, sugar kept in tins and tin dog and fish if that was struck. I asked him once about the abos getting down on his tucker and tobacco and he laughed and said they wouldn't steal from him. Boney studied the map of Mount Eden Station. To it and he said, mark the camps. And um, additionally, mark those camps where the water is. To Hart he said, what's outside the boundary fence? Nothing. Open country, excepting down south and southeast. Wild Aborigines? Hart shook his head. Not till you get to about the Simpson Desert. And they ain't as wild as they used to be. The country, dry all the way up north and west. Oh, same as around here. I haven't had no rain for months and they fell at the wrong times. Still, there's water if you know where to find it. Water holes up on the kneels. Water under the lake mud if you can stomach it. <laughs> we seem to be going somewhere. Boney looked at each in turn. I want you to mark on this map where each of you went that day. Mrs Bell was shot. And note also the time when you went the furthest from the homestead. That is as close as possible. Have you got a blue pencil, Mr. Wooten, please? They did as requested. Then Boney said, I understand that you four men have been in this part of Australia for many years, much longer than Mr. Wooten. You've been most cooperative, and I ask you to continue so. It's good to know that you believe Linda is still alive and that rescuing her must take priority. I would not have expected such full cooperation were it not the possibility of recovering the child. You'll see clearly that the actual rescue could be well attended by a grave danger to her from the man who abducted her. To save himself, he might kill her. 
It is of vital importance to know exactly what kind of man he is or was before he shot Mrs. Bell. So first, let's try and understand why he shot Mrs. Bell. Had he ever expressed a dislike of her? No, not that I ever heard, replied Arnold. He was one of them offensive guys, never hardly spoken unless spoken to. You had to get him alone and sort of talk soft to him before he'd open up. He'd talk fast enough to Linda and the black kids. And when drunk or recovering from a bout, did he think of women, talk about them? No. Did Mrs. Bell ever dislike, express a dislike of him or ever strongly criticise him? No, no, just the opposite. Mrs. Bell sort of liked him, I think. Patched his shirts more than once. After he'd watched them, said young Harry Lawton. So she'd do that for any of us, though. Uh, you're too flash to old sh- have old shirts to be patched, drawled Eric. Well, she never objected to Linda talking to Yorkie. Don't think, had no reason to, was harmless enough. Yorkie must have gone wonky to have shot her, said Eric. All right, then let us get down to his association with the Aborigines, Pressboney. You've said he was close to them. In what way? Did he live secretly with a lubra? Harry Lawton broke into laughter and was silenced by a glare in Arnold's eyes. It was harder, replied. Look, Inspector, Yorkie was older than I am. Not much, but still he was. I remember Yorkie coming to his country, what, 35 years ago? Not much to look at, but real rough. Always small and a bit wispy, if you know what I mean. And I can't say he had much education, less sort of than Mina and Charlie and the other Aborigines who went down to the mission school for a spell. Well, Yorkie could read the papers and he could follow the races and all that, but he got to know more about the ants and things than I ever wanted to, and he got to know the ways of camels when he was frightened of horses. I don't think he was more taken up with women than most of us, camped for a night or two with one or two of them down at Lotus Springs. You know, that sort. Some say there were times when he camped with Sarah, and I've heard him say that there were times when they had a young Lubra with him on the boundary fence. A long time ago, though, Hart went through the door to light another cigarette. But this is what I'm trying to get out. Yorkie was more interested in watching ants and birds than he was in talking about cattle and horses like the rest of us. He'd get the black kids to take him out and show him stuff. All the kids took him. And they'd run hell from me. Gradually got in with the blacks. And I'm sure it wasn't to get at the lubras. He was sort of interested in them like he was interested in their ants and their stories. And he'd give them stuff like fork out tobacco or buy a dress or maybe shoes. I once interrupted him. And I said, you know what, you should write a book about all this stuff. He knows more about this stuff than professors. He could have done too if he'd had an education, said Hart. Well, that's how it was with old friend Yorkie. You heard how he got the name? Yeah. And what have you said that supports I already know about him, said Boney, bending over the desk. And he jotted a note on a piece of paper. It does seem that Yorkie must have lost his balance, though, through booze to have shot Mrs. Bell. Could you say he tended to be mentally childish? Nah said Arnold with conviction. Yet he wasn't, I don't know how to put it, he reminds me of a nephew of mine down in Adelaide. used to moon about when other kids were playing or larking. Got so when he grew older that when he went about dreaming. But he had brains. Ended up by being a first-class commercial artist with a publishing firm in Sydney. No, Yorkie was never wonky. The way he plays poker proved that. Yeah, he had what I'd call low cunning, said Launton. You could never tell what cards he had. So, all of you actually find it hard to believe that old friend Yorkie would shoot Mrs. Bell, said Boney. That's about it, said Arnold, and the others nodded in agreement. Oh, there's times when I don't believe it. You sure those were his tracks you picked out? Too right, couldn't mistake them, said Hart. 
Barney presented his note to Arnold and said, When I like Yorkie, when I find him, we shall know all about it. The motive will be interesting. The way of his escape will be interesting too. Arnold nodded to heart and they left the office. The others watched them leave, knowing that they did so at the behest of Boney's note. Wooten cleared his throat preparatory to say something and was stopped by a screech from without. Struggling figures appeared in the doorway and the men brought in a furious lubra.